you the real MVP. Blocked by James. I'm Michael Jordan. Stop it. Get some help. He's on fire. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Hoop. My name is Brian Stevens. And today it's actually three guys, one hoop. I have two special guests with me. They are the Hoop Talk Podcast. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what's up, everybody? Uh, Two bros from the Hoop Talk Podcast just like talking basketball. We go from NBA to WNBA, college basketball, sliding a little bit of of a little bit of anything that talks about basketball, honestly, on Hoop Talk Podcast. And on the other co-host, Ryan, uh, pretty much just what Jalen said. We're talking everything hoops by fans for, uh, for fans. You know, we just have a lot of great stuff coming up in 2022, so stay tuned. So what um, what made you guys decide to start a basketball podcast? There's not a... There's it, there's not a lot of love. Uh, let me put it that way. Um, finding listeners is hard. Yeah. So, I I think for me, I actually have always wanted to start a podcast, just a sports podcast in general. But I wanted to really grow in my basketball knowledge. So I remember uh, when Jalen and I took sports journalism in college in 2019. We did our own like part in the interruption segment and. Like we, we kind of had some pretty instant chemistry. So, you know, during the pandemic, I was just sitting on my couch one day and it was like, you know, I wonder what one, what he's doing. And two, if he's interested in doing a podcast. So when I found out he was interested in doing a podcast, we kind of just like hit the ground running with ideas. And here we are to, uh, a year and a half later and we're still going strong. That's awesome to hear. So uh, I kind of just, I stumbled upon you guys on Instagram and it's really hard for me to find someone um, to talk basketball with on a level that's not just like basic fandom, right? Um, my co-host Jay, I moved away from Cincinnati where he was, and he's we're he's still going to be on the show. We haven't been able to work out a time. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the podcast at all, but unfortunately, I moved away. My I moved to a house that wasn't ready. We had issues, so I haven't been able to record really a podcast for like two or three months and it was uh it sucked and i'm we're halfway through the season and i was like i can't go any further without talking basketball and so i hit up you guys on instagram and you were more than willing to jump on and i truly truly appreciate it thank you so much for coming on the show yeah thank you for having us on um so yeah for those listeners who are here every week Jay will be back at some point. I, he's not he's not fired. It's just uh, working out schedules. Uh, don't forget, email the podcast, two guys, one hoop at gmail.com. We'll probably have another uh, listener email uh, segment at some point. Um, and follow me on Instagram at two guys, one hoop. And then, of course, I'm on Twitter and TikTok at, at called of pop. That's called a pop with a K. Let's get into the nitty gritty, guys. Um I'm going. I'm going to start with you, Jalen, because you mentioned earlier off uh, off mic that you were a Bulls fan. So my number one question uh, halfway through this season: There's two teams, and we'll start with the Bulls. Are the Bulls for real? I think so. I mean, from a fandom standpoint, that's the the easy answer, right? But like, what I mean by that, like from a like a more objective perspective, is they've got the pieces, right? 
You have a closer in DeMar DeRozan that helps in the half court, which is huge for this team because the last couple of seasons, they've been a really high-paced team with guys like Zach Levine and Kobe White who can play really downhill. But when it comes to slowing the game down, that's where things got tricky. You have a guy in Lonzo Ball on the perimeter that can be a legitimate defender next to Zach Levine. Zach Levine has improved on the defensive end coming back from the Tokyo Olympics, which is huge as well. Alex Caruso, great point of attack defender. Nikola Vucevic is a guy down low that plays really well um, around the basket. Not really the shot blocking big or rim defending big that like Jared Allen or like Rudy Gobert or like, like guys like that are known to be, but has improved, you know, at least slightly defensively, which is still a major upgrade when you talk about his benefit to our team. I mean, outside of them getting another like four men, like, Jeremy Grant or Harrison Barnes are like the main ones that have been like brought up in trade talks with the Bulls. Outside of that, I mean, they've got a lot of really solid pieces. And we we all know that come playoff time, rotations come down to about seven guys. Whether we get Harrison Barnes or Jer- Jeremy Grant or not, like I feel confident with the seven guys, we'll probably be trotting out every single night. So, I mean, I think they're for real. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the Bulls have a lot of potential. And I think, if anything, they can be the best team in the Eastern Conference. Um, I think if there's, like, any doubt in fans' minds about – or just general basketball fans, like, any doubt about the Bulls. I mean, you can look at, like, their last two national TV games against the Nets and the Warriors, where I think, like, from Jalen's perspective, he's probably disappointed in how the team performed in both those games. But – I mean, you talk about taking on two great teams like the Nets and the Warriors. Those are all going to be challenges, but that's what makes, uh, you know, teams great. You know, to be able to face a tough team and a top team at that, like the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets and trying to, you know, keep up with them and, you know, hopefully pull off the win. Like, that's obviously the tough thing. But, like, looking at, you know, their roster and something I talked to Jalen about, their closing lineup has been an issue, but, like, how do you fix it? And I think, you know, the two guys that – you know, instantly come to mind. Uh, and I think for like trade deadline purposes, Jeremy Grant and Harrison Barnes, I think both of them fulfill the role of a four that the Bulls are missing. And I think both of them could definitely be good fits. I think that's really like the only issue that I can point out with them. Uh, you know, I don't think that this team uh, are frauds. I think that this team is for real. They they definitely can do some damage in the Eastern Conference. And I think if anything, you know, Eastern Conference title favorite, I think that's the ceiling for this team. I think my uh, probably my biggest issue with the Bulls right now is just staying healthy. You know, Levine tweaked his knee. That's got to be scary if you're a Bulls fan. Um, you know, he, he's been nicked up throughout his career here and there. Um, you know, Crusoe's only played 26 games. Yeah, I... I I agree with both of you. I think the ceiling for this team is a definitely an a, a Eastern Conference contender. I think that there is a trade to be made. I, I don't know if, like you mentioned, Jeremy Grant. I, I honestly, I think what they're missing, and you, it kind of kind of sucks because I think Miles Turner would fit in perfectly with this team as a, a big uh, who can who can defend the rim I, and. I'm one of the probably the last <laughs> Miles Turner defenders. I, I just I really think he can change um, a team like this is defensive prospects, especially at the end of the game, um, the ability to switch and defend multiple positions and at the same time protect the rim. But obviously, we don't know what his injury looks like. It's he's definitely going to be out past the trade deadline, which kind of hurts his value. 
what do you guys think about if they added Miles Turner or a rim, uh, a rim protecting big? Mm. So th- my response to that, Brian, would be something real simple. Why did we give up Daniel Gafford? Mm-hmm. Like that's the, that's the part that hurts. Like because you, you make a really great point. Like getting another big to either put, you know, next to Nikola Vucevic as a legitimate uh, four, or move Nikola Vucevic to the four. It would be a little odd, but I think with the way that he plays offensively, that it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to put him next to somebody. But even outside of that, I mean, Daniel Gafford was that guy, and like the worst part about it is when you look back at the trade. We didn't give, we didn't get back much, um, and that's probably the weirdest part about such an exchange because you see what he's doing now for the Washington Wizards, and it's not, it's not outstanding stuff, right? He's not walking around doing Joel and Bead level things or anything for them, but he's a very dirty work type of player, and that's kind of the one guy we're missing in the front court. And I mean, I even view like Harrison Barnes and Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant's actually a lot lower on my list in terms of like my options for this. Mm. But the main thing that you have to look at when you talk about the postseason for the Bulls is who's guarding Durant? Now, I know that's a tricky question regardless yeah. of who, what team right. faces the, the Brooklyn Nets, right? But who guards Durant on this team? Who who guards Giannis on this team? Like we're, I think we're putting a lot more faith in Derrick Jones Jr. than I think we'd like. And even that trade makes you wonder, like, you know, what would this team look like if Larry Nance Jr. had just been taken in that trade with Laurie Markin straight up as opposed mm-hmm. to throwing the trailblazers in the mix? So I think you have a really solid point overall. I think at the end of the day, that forward spot, if we can address that, even if it's like a minimal talent upgrade, that would be really interesting because something that I've mentioned a lot is if you look at our closing lineup, it's Alex Caruso, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan at the four and Nikola Vucevic is extremely mm. small. Yeah. And against the Bucks, that might not be great with Giannis and Brooke Lopez with maybe Bobby Portis looking for vengeance here and there. That might not be great yeah. against a more like wing led team like the Brooklyn Nets, who at the end of the day have Kevin Durant, and that's going to be a tough one for anybody. So, yeah, I agree with you that a big, whether they play the four or the five, I mean, regardless, that should be what we're looking at at the trade deadline. Ryan, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that Daniel Gafford trade just looks bad in perspective for the Chicago Bulls because of, one, how athletic Daniel Gafford was, and, two, how well he would have fit in this lineup. So, I mean, like, I'll, I'll just make this take really quick, but I think if you move Vucevic to the four and add Turner, I think it'll be interesting for spacing purposes because – Nikola Vucevic was not the best floor spacer to begin the season. He's definitely gotten a little bit better with it, but like still it's just been kind of an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the one thing I, I think, you know, getting Miles Turner I think would be huge, but I think it's just about like whether or not moving Nikola Vucevic to the four is the right move. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of tough because ideally, <laughs> ideally you would like to uh, replace Vucevic with somebody who could – like ideally if you could bring in let's say Barnes and Turner and move Vucevic but that's not going to happen right I mean that would be the ideal lineup I mean you put that lineup on the floor I mean look out all right let's uh let's talk some some Grizzlies here um I'm going to start off with my take and then uh Jalen if you can give yours and then Ryan if you can give yours I I've kind of fell in love with this team I I'll be the first to admit I was a huge doubter um, when they started getting hot, but then I started watching more of their games, and 
Ja has just, honestly, he has taken the leap. The leap that we wanted to see from several superstars across the board, I think Ja has finally taken that leap. Not even finally. I mean, he's, you know, what, third year in league. He's taken that leap. He's there. He's a superstar. And this team, the depth of this team, it it's one of the deepest teams in in the NBA. I don't know that they need to make a move. I think that they are contenders now. And I would not be surprised. I don't know that they could win a title because they're still young. There's going to be a lot of mistakes. But I would not be surprised if this is a Western Conference final team. What do you guys think? So I think that is like so bold of a take but not far left at all because I think the truth of the matter is when you talk about their depth, they kind of match up in a similar way to like Utah when you talk about the potential to coast through the regular season in a way that works out where you can be fresh leg for the the postseason, right? They go seven and one while John Moran is out. And, you know, they lose to the Oklahoma City Thunder by three after just blowing them out by 70 plus. And they're booing the all-star. Like that's how, (laughs) so uh, that's how good they've been able to play as a cohesive unit. And I think the one thing that I think is important to address, and it's something that you kind of slightly touched on was the idea of like, um, making any big trades and things like that. And so, Brian, I actually want to, like, 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 turn this around into a question to you because I've been trying to, like, get an understanding of how people feel about the John Morant to Derrick Rose comparisons mm. because that comes up a lot nowadays. Yeah. One of the things that I feel like is important about making that comparison, and this is coming from a Bulls fan, so this, this is one of those things that I, I look at really closely when you talk about the idea of just how good Jaw can be. The main thing that you have to look at about Derrick Rose, too, is how long it lasted for him to be who we know is the legendary Derrick Rose, right? The guy that can be a journeyman in the league and everybody's going to treat him with the same MVP caliber respect. And the reason why I say that is because it was three years, right? It was three years legitimately of Derrick, like what is prime Derrick Rose. So my question to you would be like, do you think when you, when you, factor in that kind of timetable the the Derrick Rose like comparisons and how far ahead this team already is does that pose the question that maybe the timetable for trying to go win a championship now is a lot shorter than what you would think regardless of like how young this team is I think that's a very valid point I, you know I know that other uh, talking heads uh, around the NBA circles have questioned his his play and he has come up with some some injuries nothing uh this year that was you know too extreme but there are worries about his his physique and the way he plays and i think that that is definitely a concern i think the main issue here and he's only averaging about 32 minutes a game um i say only because i think derrick rose in those spurts was averaging like 35 to 38 minutes a game and that adds up over the season and honestly that injury to Derrick Rose was just one of those things that was going to happen sooner or later. Now, that may be the case with Ja. And I think you you might be onto something where if you feel like, okay, this is the way Ja plays, this is his, his ceiling, and this is as good as he's going to be, he's at risk for a serious injury that could completely affect the way he plays basketball. So, let's speed it up. Maybe the time is, maybe... I, I, the, my problem is I feel like this chemistry with this team is just so perfect who do you trade? Like, which one of these guys do you give up? And uh-huh. what do you what are you trading for? Um, 
you know, obviously if it's uh, a complimentary uh, number two star, it needs to be the right fit, but also uh, they have to be able to take over games as well because Ja will have an off night, right? And at this point, this group of guys, somebody always steps up, right? Whether whether it's Dylan Brooks or whether it's Bain or Jackson, like somebody always seems to be stepping up into that spot uh, when needed. So I don't know if that completely answers your question, but I definitely agree with you that this might be the time to push your cards in. I just don't know who you trade. Who do you who do you who do you move on? Ryan, do you have any any ideas? So let's just ditch the trade talk because I'm not gonna lie. This please don't touch this team. Please don't <laughs> yeah. touch this team. Like they, they have everything working for them right now. And you know, in that brief span of when Ja was injured and the team was playing some great basketball. That was the the proof that you needed for the depth of this team, for how much depth this team has. And then, you know, you look at how great Jaw's been playing. You know, he's having an MVP-type year this year, and he's only played 33 games. And I think the, the, the person you kind of have to, like, point out as well, like, as someone who stepped up for this team, can we give a big shout-out to Desmond Bain? Because... Desmond Bain has been playing some great basketball. He's a he's a great shooter, not only from the field, but also from three. He's shooting 47% from the field on 14 attempts and 42% from three on close to seven attempts a game. I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he's been able to do as a two guard in the time that not only John's been out, but also Dylan Brooks, because Dylan, Dylan Brooks has only played in 21 games. So... I think if there's any props, we have to give it to Desmond uh, to Desmond Bain. But I would also credit the play of DeAnthony Melton and Tyus Jones coming off the bench. They've been pretty good so far this season. I do want to see more from Brandon Clark, though, because I think he has so much more potential. And I think he just kind of gets lost in this crowded front court of forwards that the Grizzlies have. So I think, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my thoughts on the Grizzlies. Just don't don't touch this team, please. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm with you, but I, I, it, it's kind of, and this is a this is a this is a tough one because I'm with you. Like I said, I I love their chemistry, I love the team that they have, and it just seems like if a part falls off, they have some a spare to put right back on. But is it enough though? Like, let's ask that question. Um, is it enough, Ryan? I'm gonna come back to you. Is it enough to contend, uh, not only in the West but for the whole shebang? You know, they are making a really good case to contend right now with this roster that they currently have. I think, what are they, third in the West right now? So, I mean, they're they're third behind two teams that have just an overabundance of talent in the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. So, I, I feel like this team can get to the Western Conference because I'm I'm really interested to see if the Suns can repeat what they were able to do last year. So I think that's that's something to really point out. But yeah. I think you know, like this team does kind of give off the grit and grind grizzly, you know, year the grit and grind grizzly team that made the Western Conference um, in one mm-hmm. of those years. And I I'm ve- I'm really interested to see what this team will look like in the playoffs because the Grizzlies have just ascended ever since Ja joined the NBA. Okay, Jay, do you have any trades in, in particular that you thought of, or what, what are your thoughts on what Ryan said? 
Uh, I mean, that's the that's the tricky part, right? And I think it goes back to something that you said earlier, Brian, about the idea of, like, who do you trade? Because obviously, like, your most favorable guys are, like, you know, Kyle Anderson's an interesting player that could be, you know, sought on the trade market for teams that need a wing. Dylan Brooks is a guy who I think sometimes gets lost in the shuffle as an offensive threat for this team, considering the fact that, like, you know, the league guys are obviously John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Ryan mentioned it earlier, the, the Desmond Bain hype is real. Like, don't get it twisted. There are Boston fans still kicking themselves yep. for having to look at that draft class to go, go down the way it did. So I think the trick is the trade package. I mean, the weird part about it is, like, their team is always brought up in, like, these weird, like, Ben Simmons-like <laughs> yeah. conversations. And that's where I feel like you kind of lose me because I think at the, at the end of the day, if your point is to try to – put him at center or something. I think you're only, I mean, you're only feeding into the narrative that he only fits in certain situations, right? Mm-hmm. To the fact that you have to do like for a team like this, that's so deep at the guard position, the way that he'll fit is if he plays it as a defensive defensive center, something he doesn't want to do, right. obviously, yeah. right? Doesn't want to be put in the dunker spot. He kind of just ends up there, especially in playoff situations. So, I don't know. Trade-wise, that's one where we kind of have to, like, see what kind of stuff has even been offered in the first place. I would say their lightest spot, though, probably is center. But I just don't know what you're willing to give up for a center in today's NBA. Yeah. And one of the trades that I have heard mentioned with Grizzlies, and then we can move on, is – and you guys can give me your thoughts on this, too. Um, One trade, and I just don't know if – Indiana would do it was Sabonis. Um, and I don't know if it's because Donna Sabonis is like this, um, this hardworking, like viewed as a, like this hardworking grit and grind type player. And that's why people were putting him in Memphis. But I don't know. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Sabonis? I don't know. I think he's just really duplicable to like Jaron. Yeah. And so like, that's the only, like, I mean, that's the main thing. I mean, you throw on top of it, just overall, I mean, you both have said it, and this is why I posed the question because I think that that's one of those things that the Grizzlies have to ask themselves. Is like from a contention standpoint, like, do you think your window is a lot narrower than what your, you know, the birth certificates of mm-hmm. your players would suggest? So that's why I asked it. But I think the truth of the matter is, like, you guys have already kind of like taken, you know, taking the bulls by the horn in terms of saying that like this team is fun, this team is good, this team is deep. They're developing under Taylor Jenkins. Let them do their thing. I think it's just going to come down to somebody having to emerge for them to really set them apart. You know, I mean, you look at the Miami Heat, they're in an interesting spot, right? Mm-hmm. They they now have to decide whether Dwayne Dedman or Omir Yurtseven is their backup center behind yeah. Bam Adebayo. Omir Yurtseven was in the G League, a dude who was killing it, mind you, in the summer league, as Ryan's brought up on multiple podcasts. But he's legitimately giving like a long-term, you know, NBA journeyman a run for his money in terms of position on the the Miami the Miami Heat's roster. So I think a similar thing comes up with um, Memphis, where I think it's just going to have to be somebody that kind of carves a lane for themselves. I think Ryan pointed. I think it has to be Brandon Clark. That's my opinion. I mm. think he. I think he has to step up. Um, people have been talking about him for a long time, um, at least the last couple seasons of being like a prospect of taking a leap and i i mean we haven't seen it yet um let's talk about the lakers uh so uh ryan i don't you weren't on I, i'm a lakers fan right um 
I have been a Lakers fan for almost 30 years now. Um, I know it's, uh, I'm one of those guys, but I'm, I'm truly one of those people who I try to put my fandom to the side and look at things, um, in perspective. But one thing I've always said is I never count out a LeBron led team. And I, Getting Davis back is one step closer to being a contender than they were the last few months. Um, do you think that the Lakers are playing possum? Do you think that it they're just waiting to get healthy? Or are they doomed for an early exit? So I actually have been thinking about this question a lot in the past couple hours. Because if the Lakers are playing possum, then when are they going to be for real? And if they're not playing possum, then this team is a disappointment because of the expectations, the fact that LeBron basically constructed this team. And, you know, this team has, you know, you, this team is not a great offensive team, 24th on 24th in offense in the NBA, 18th in defense. This team really doesn't excel in anything. There's nothing really special about this team besides the fact that they have LeBron James, who's been going on a tear to basically help this team win games, to basically carry this team to victories. And I'm not really I'm not really sure what the expectations are for this team at this point because before the season started, I said they would finish anywhere between seven and ten in the playing tournament because that's I just don't think they were better than a bunch of the other teams in the Western Conference before the season started. And I'm not gonna lie, Jalen gave me some flack for it because he couldn't believe it. But I mean, those those expectations are are ringing true right now because this team has just been disappointing. Before you answer, Jalen, I, I just want to step in here. I think that's interesting that you thought that before the season. Obviously, uh, so I'm going way back in the time machine. I, I have been in the past a huge Westbrook supporter and defender, but the moment they made that trade, I was like, this is terrible. This is a terrible fit. Like, I love Russ, but this is not the team for him. This is not he, – he's not going to thrive in this situation. And – Honestly, he's been who he is. Like, I don't think this season from Russ has really been that much different than any other season from Russ. But I, it's hard for me to, I mean, like, I, I feel like your point of view is valid 100%. But it's valid because Anthony Davis hasn't been Anthony Davis. And that, to me, has been the biggest shocker. That is, he should be a top five player in the NBA instead of being, I don't even know where you would rank him at this point. Um I, I, I don't know. Anyways, um, Ryan, any, any other additional thoughts? And then Jalen, go ahead and give us your, your your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, that, that was pretty much it with my take. And I, I'm just interested if this team – I think the question is now, who do you move at the deadline? Because I know LeBron's going to be late GM. So, I mean, is he gonna, is he going to basically destroy this team? Like – the team that he basically put together in the offseason, is he going to blow it up, you know, a good a good handful of the season in? So I think that's going to be interesting to uh, point out. Uh, real quick, Jalen, I, I, ha- I have a trade for you that I'll talk about at the end, and it'll lead us into the next, the next uh, point. So go ahead, Jalen. I mean, in response, I mean, in response to a lot of that, I mean, the first thing that I think is important is the Le GM stuff, I think is, I mean, 
that's tricky because even if you want to say that he's done that in past years, I would say this is one of those years where it's literally out of his hands, whether he kicks and screams or whatever the circumstance that everybody tries to label LeBron is doing when it comes to this stuff. Let's let's just make sure we understand the circumstances here, right? The only real tradable contract contracts they have that can really create any kind of space for them is either moving Russell Westbrook, moving TH, uh, THD, who they literally just paid and paid in um, in a way that made it where they either were, weren't able to or made it more difficult for them to potentially pursue Alex Caruso, who, you know, thank you. I'm not arguing with it, but from their, from their standpoint, especially from how they've been doing defensively, not that great. And then outside of that, you have to look across the rest of their roster. It's a lot of minimum contracts, and they don't have a lot of favorable draft picks. So you talk about the kind of guys that are going to be able to move. This is not a typical LeBron year where the blow it up method at the trade deadline can really happen in a conventional way. So I'm not really sure how that's going to go. In terms of the Lakers, in terms of them playing possum or not, if they're playing possum, I'll do you one better. There was reports earlier that Frankie V is on the hot seat and they view it as they're going to watch him on a game-to-game basis in terms of his, you know, overall job security. Well, if this is playing possum, they are trying to sell us one hell of a show because at this point, letting us know that you're willing to part with your coach due to performances by players that don't fit his scheme or not known as defensive-minded guys and his second-best player on the team has been out for a significant time, I don't know why a team that's playing possum will be pointing fingers. So that's also not I totally agree with that. And I think I'm a huge Frank Vogel fan. I loved him in Indiana. I think he had a crap roster in Orlando. And I think he did a great job the year they won the title in the bubble. And last year, obviously, LeBron was hurt. AD was hurt. Like, it's hard to point fingers at this guy who's consistently coached a, a top 10 defense throughout his career. You bring in all these players. I, I, letting Caruso go... It was, I just, it was absolutely mind-boggling. Like, I, do, I understand that they had big plans for TH. Here's the thing. Taylor Horton Tucker has been a absolute catastrophe, right? He has not played well at all. Uh, and I think that, honestly, they chose him over Crusoe, and it's actually came back to bite them in the behind. Now, this is going to lead in. I, we we can close the Laker talk because I, I think you guys are both right. I don't think I don't think they're playing possum. I think they have some real issues in their roster construction, their age, and honestly, I think that the a fact that they haven't had people healthy, they haven't they don't have the chemistry. They move so many so many players in and out of this lineup um, compared to last year. I think it's going to be really really hard for them to win a bunch of games in a row and it's gonna be hard for them to contend but i do think there is a trade out there and i actually made this on tiktok and i I, just interesting we're gonna talk about ben simmons i'm just putting it out there we're gonna talk about ben simmons (laughs) let me know what you guys think of this trade because i think it's a masterpiece so it's a three-team trade with the sixers lakers and pistons and i'll give my reason for it afterwards so the sixers would bring in jeremy grant and killian hayes and the Lakers would get Simmons and Olenek, and Westbrook and Isaiah Joe would go to the Pistons. Obviously, the Pistons would probably get a couple draft picks. I don't know how that would work. Um, Lakers don't have a ton of draft picks to send. I don't know. I don't know if the Sixers would be willing to give up draft picks, but um, 
I would say that getting Jeremy Grant and Killian Hayes for Ben Simmons, even though the rumors have been that the asking price is higher, I'm just saying I feel like this trade works for everybody. We know that Ben Simmons wants to be in L.A. We've known that from the minute he came into the league. He's a clutch guy. This makes sense to me. What do you guys think? Ryan, I'll let you go first. You're, team, you're usually team obliterator, team obliterator on the HDP, so I'll let you check this one out first. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I do have a history of blowing teams up. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely 2K GM, you know, the, the 2K GM in me. But let's, let's start with the Pistons aspect up from it first because they get Isaiah Joe and Russell Westbrook. I don't see a future where Russell Westbrook is in Detroit because I think that there's a chance – and this is a very slim chance that I will add they buy out his contract because Russell Westbrook does not fit the timeline of what the Pistons are going for. Even though you could make the argument that we all know what the Pistons are doing and we all know what their identity is. So some of their moves in the last season would suggest that they were trying to maybe fight for a play in spot. But I think this year it's clear that they're going for a rebuild. So I don't think the Westbrook trade would make sense. Isaiah Joe, I think, would be a nice backup guard for uh, Kate Cunningham. I think he could get some starter minutes with the Pistons. So that's interesting. Um, Jeremy Grant, I think, is interesting because I think him and Killian Hayes on the Sixers makes sense. I think spacing-wise, he fits better next to Joel Embiid. And I think Killian Hayes would get a fresh start in Philadelphia behind a couple of uh, – pretty solid guards. You know, Tyrese Maxey's been giving him solid minutes too. So maybe Killian Hayes can get some playing time behind him. But looking at the the Lakers perspective too, I think Ben Simmons to LA, it makes sense because Brian, you're right. He, he's been trying to get there. He's been trying to get to LA ever since his career started. So, I mean, from that perspective, it makes sense. But I think for spacing wise, I think for, you know, skill wise, he's, a good defender. He's he's been a pretty good defender throughout his entire career, and the Lakers need defense. But I think the one thing that he's been lacking is shooting. So if you can kind of cover that aspect up, then I could see I could see it working out. But the Lakers would have to add a shooter in this trade. I don't know what the uh the the shooting percentage for Kelly Olynyk is, but I'm not sure if he's a, a solid, reliable shooter. So I, I, I think that, that's. I, I definitely agree. With, and again, obviously, we're playing fantasy GM right now. I think that in in the reason that I like this trade so much for pretty much every team involved is because it does add a dimension that every team kind of needs. But the Lake, you're right. The Lakers, one of their biggest problems is they don't have a lot of shooting. They added a lot of shooters, but they haven't shot the ball really well. And it's it's just kind of funny that team is supposed to be better offensively, and they haven't been. Um, I want to touch on one thing with the Westbrook thing because I don't think you're necessarily wrong. Maybe they would offer him a buyout, but I honestly think that bring him in and his style of play. And I'm sorry, but Russ gets crapped on way too much. And I I started this out by saying I'm a huge Russ defender. I think he is actually a really good leader because he gives it all 100% of the time without a doubt. He never takes a playoff. He's always 100%. You can question his basketball IQ all you want. It's not high. I get it. He takes bad shots. I don't he's never in my from what I've understood, 
his issues with KD had nothing to do with personality and all with like KD wanted to play with the smarter basketball player. That's that's what it was. He's always giving 110%. And I think if you put him with a young team for the rest of this year, Detroit can look at it and say, okay, we're getting rid of some contracts here, right? We're getting rid of Jeremy's contract. And we have this huge contract that we could possibly move as an expiring next year. That's that's my thinking. Um, or maybe they do buy him out. I don't know. Um, again, I don't think this trade is going to happen. But it's like one of the only – I looked a million ways to try to get Simmons – to the Lakers, and it's without moving the Russ contract, and you're right, there's not a lot of people that want that contract, right? I mean, John Wall is literally the only player that you could probably trade for him. That trade's happened multiple times, I feel like, and so it's just, that's where we're at. Um, Jay, let me know your thoughts on the trade. I mean, I think it's just interesting because for all parties, it almost sounds like there's still something you have to ask yourself, like, in terms of your philosophy moving forward, right? If you acquire Ben Simmons as the Lakers, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to live with a team that plays primarily inside when you know that you're in a league that plays like primarily from the perimeter, right? We've got a situation where you would have two non-shooters. And I mean, LeBron James has improved as a three-point shooter, but I wouldn't call him like a knockdown shooter. And we know Ben Simmons has been apprehensive to shoot. Anthony Davis can't be your best three-point shooter in a starting lineup. I think that's kind of scary. Um, and then I think the Russ thing is interesting because I have to, I have to kind of agree with you on the overall philosophy of him as a player in terms of what he does for your locker room. But I have to also throw out there that when you look at the circumstances of Detroit, they've also tried to build things in a very like blue chipper way. If you look at their recent draft picks and even with some of the stuff that they did, while like bringing a guy like Kelly Olenek in, like they grabbed. Cade, who was like obviously a blue chip prospect, but you'd like grab a guy like Sadiq Bey, who's brought up in Villanova. And we all know, like, turn a Villanova into a pro, he's going to be a good pro. Like, that's typically the assumption in terms of draft picks. There's a pretty good uh, track record there with guys like DiVincenzo, Brunson, Mikhail Bridges, you know, so on and so forth. So there's that. Uh, The Killian Hayes thing is tricky when you talk about the 76ers because I think that with him struggling to be in a backcourt next to Cade, I think half that has to do with the fact that I think Killian's still pretty raw and still needs to develop. So you put him in a circumstance like Philly where they're in win now mode with Joel Embiid, like, is that really the right environment for him to develop? So I think it just, le- I think the only thing is, I think every team wins the trade in one aspect, but I think they leave the trade still asking themselves a more philosophical question that almost kind of outweighs whatever the benefits of the trade are. And that's where I think things get a little tricky. Yeah, and I think, I think, um, I think Ryan uh, also hit it on the head because I just I I think if anybody doesn't pull that trade, it's it's Detroit, right? And it, apparently, um, I don't know if you guys saw this, but it came across the wire earlier today, and I, I wanted to mention it that it, Detroit Detroit's put they've put Jeremy Green out there. He's on the block. They offered him to the Sixers for. Uh, the packages, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, Kelly Olenek, a first-rounder for Ben Simmons, and Philly basically hung up the phone and laughed at him. That's crazy. I mean, I I just – I don't really know what Philly's looking for either. Um, that's the other issue is, like, it, it, we're going to talk about Ben Simmons here, and you guys can give me your thoughts. But it doesn't seem like any either side is really budging, and um, Maury's asking price is astronomical right now. Ryan, what do you think? 
Yeah. Uh, in regards to Ben Simmons, it's just it's really interesting because Daryl Morey is almost playing a game and it's it's basically going to evolve. How long can I hold Ben Simmons in Philadelphia? And like, I'm just going to sit back and let this whole thing kind of just play out and let it all happen. But it's just weird. Like, I've never seen this happen before. Like, you're going to you're going to have a guy just sit at home. And, you know, he was he on like a four year, four year deal that he re-signed with yeah. the Philadelphia 76ers. Yep. yep. So he, he's basically sitting at home on a four year deal. And like you're, you're almost doing it out of spite, which is kind of weird because, again, like Ben Simmons wants to leave and you're basically saying no. So like, is there a is there a time that Daryl Morey has to think, OK, when is. Like, I'm kind of tired of this. Like, can we just get rid of him already? Or is he just going to continue to kind of play this game? Like, okay, I really I really like the fact that Ben Simmons isn't playing basketball right now. He's just, you know, sitting at home and doing, you know, nothing, just trying to get out of Philadelphia, you know, trying to get to L.A. Like, that's basically, like we said earlier, like, Ben Simmons wants to get to L.A. So I'm not 100% sure how long this is going to go on for. And I'm interested to hear your perspective on this, Brian, because like Ben Simmons has been wanting to get out of Philadelphia. And again, like Daryl Morey basically has just been saying no. And, you know, I'm not sure how long this is going to go on for I me. Mean, if, if this goes on for the next four years and this is a recurring storyline. I don't know, like, I don't know what the ramifications are for this. Yeah. So, it, it this is the, this is honestly there are more storylines to this than actually you know basketball right because we are in the age of player empowerment and Anthony Davis wanted to go to L.A. and he pretty much got his way. Uh, James Harden wanted out of Houston, got fat and then got got shipped right. So we've seen players pretty much get what they want um, over the last decade or so, and. I get it, right? I mean, the last thing you want is an asset that just diminishes. It's like having a um it's like having a, a diamond ring in your drawer and you're not able to wear it, right? And it just keeps getting older and sure it may have value, but at some point you gotta get rid of it or it's of no value to anyone. Uh if it's just setting in a drawer, right? So I don't the closest like I'm trying to think of like this happens in football a lot. There's holdouts. Um we I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in basketball. Um I'm trying to like go back to my memory bank and I know that like Juwan Howard infamously held out. Um, and, but he ended up getting a hundred million dollar deal, uh, and getting what he wanted. But I can't think of another player who wanted out of a situation after just signing a contract like this and getting essentially benched for an entire season for not wanting to play for the team. I, I, it's, it's interesting. I think that Daryl Morey is trying to fight the good fight for the owners, which I don't know how good of a fight that is. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I always tend to lean towards the players side of things, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really know what clutch and what Ben Simmons expects to happen. You know, why should Philly just hand him over to the Lakers or the Clippers or, you know, move him without expecting something in return? doesn't make sense and it's not going to happen so i kind of you kind of have to respect maury for that 
aspect. But at the same time, why not make your uh, – this is the way I view it from a basketball standpoint, and, you know, please let me know what you guys think. We talked about John Morant only having a short window. Embiid has a short window. I don't know how long his body's going to hold up. We've seen it fail in the past. You have a chance to win a title this year. Make a move because pretty soon that window is going to be closed and you're going to sit here and say, well, I had this diamond ring. It was just sitting in, in, in my closet. I didn't sell it when I could have made some money. That's the way I look at it. I mean, just to kind of like retort to one of your points, if I was if I were Ben Simmons, why did I sign that contract if I didn't want to be in Philly? And now you're now you're on a, a now I think it's year two of a five year deal that like you're basically wasting away. I, I don't think he's getting paid, right? He's uh, just kind of sitting at home right now. I that's a good question. I don't I don't know, Jay. Do you know? Yeah, he's he's getting paid. No, he's he's definitely getting paid. There was a certain set of circumstances where they were putting it in a, a separate account. It was an escrow account. Oh, okay, they yeah. Were, they were accumulating the money in initially, but yeah, I mean, when he—that's the thing, right? This is where the the chess match kicks in because the uh they set it up where, or I would say Ben Simmons set it up where you know he's claiming the mental health uh absence. And that's the one where it's not necessarily that he's not reporting. It's just that he's out due to, you know, set of circumstances. And we know in this modern day, when it comes to the idea of something like mental health issues being something that's used as an excuse, you have to kind of tread that fine line of like, you know, you kind of have to believe them, believe him, because if you're wrong, the PR look is pretty terrible. So, yeah, he actually is getting paid. So, I mean, that's probably part of the position of power that he does hold right now i don't know if it's nearly the same but i don't think his bank account's hurting as much so i just i looked it up and apparently they're they're just finding him and right now as of this uh december 30th the fines are close he's been fined close to 10 million dollars wow yeah i was gonna say he's definitely still getting what is his he's just getting a lot of deductions so he's not hurting too bad (laughs) <laughs> so that's still that's still kind of baffling though that he's he's getting fined but at the same time he's also getting paid right yeah and I, so i it's hard to to say exactly you know what's going i don't know if that's still going in escrow because that that was the thing that they were doing they were holding out like 10 percent of his his earnings until he reported um but i it's it's one of those issues too where it's like I, I want to go back to basketball real quick because I want to see what you guys think about this. Jay, you didn't kind of you didn't you didn't um, you didn't answer the question about what does this look like for Embiid in his future and what would you do? Like, should they just go ahead and trade him? I mean, what are your thoughts? So that's an excellent question because when you look at the idea of the big man and then you look at Joel Embiid in terms of his history. You have to ask yourself whether or not Joel Embiid is a guy that you can move forward with, you know, regardless of the talent. You have to look at it from a, can you build around this guy properly? You have to look at it from a, is he going to stay upright? And that's where things get tricky because, I mean, there were reports early in the tenure of Ben Simmons where they were saying, they were people, there were people saying that in the front office, people were actually more in favor of building around Simmons than Joel. So I think that's one of the biggest things that has them so torn as an organization right now, 
because the guy that you know the chirping around in terms of maybe building around as a franchise guy is actually the one who wants out um but regardless when you talk about timetable I mean, it's here and now. I mean, in terms of if you're going to build around Joel Embiid, I think that's why the Damian Lillard talk comes up so much because you want an all-star caliber player at the point guard position so that, you know, in a, in, in a world where pick and, roll, pick and roll dominates, you want to be able to put a Damian Lillard, Joel, uh, Joel Embiid pick and roll together and abuse the crap out of that on a nightly basis, right? So I think personally, I think they hold on to Embiid. I don't think there's any reason... You, as long as you have Daryl Morey at the front of things, I don't think he's ever going to be in tank slash rebuild mode. That's number one. I think that's half the reason why he's yeah. not willing to take Penny on the dollar when it comes to uh, Ben Simmons. But I think the other thing, too, is that you're going to have to play this Ben Simmons thing as close to the vest as possible. Now, I know the trade packages are starting to slowly but surely get crazy again. But if they don't, if they don't like them, they don't like them. I, I know it feels weird to the casual fan. Like, you're getting yeah. X, Y, and Z. And you're really not trying to but the question is do you feel like that's what it's worth and if you don't feel like ben simmons as a prospect as a player is worth some of these trade acquisitions you might be making where you're not getting a lead guard like for the example where you use pistons sadiq bay not a lead guard you know he's a very nice three um kelly olenic is a nice four that stretches the floor but where's the ball handler are you guys mm-hmm. putting it almost sounds like a trade with Detroit is their way of saying, okay, if you're if you're the, the 76ers, it's almost their way of saying, okay, we're going to hand the keys over to Maxi. Well, if you're in win-now mode, do you trust the second-year guard to lead you to the finals? Right. Right? He's been good for a regular season. He's been good in this time frame where he's gotten a lot more playing time without being in. But do you trust him to get you to the finals? And... I think the answer is no. I think that's the way they feel is no. And until they get a lead guard that they feel like does answer that question, I mean, they're going to have to be as stingy as they're, they're going to continue to be, I should say, as stingy as they have been. Ryan, let me ask you this. So this this uh, this trade was proposed. Um, I think uh, probably... There is some truth to this, but Sam Amick on his podcast mentioned um, that the the Kings have kind of backed down from their stance of you're not getting Fox or Halliburton. And it seems that the trade would center around Simmons and Tobias for Fox and um, another player on their team. I don't they, – they didn't say who exactly, but – um, you can guess either Barnes or Heald or something like that. What do you think of that trade? So I've heard a lot of rumors about Ben Simmons going to Sacramento. I think fit-wise, it could make sense. I just think the Kings are not – well, actually, here's the thing. So what is Sacramento? Because they just fired their coach early in the season, and this team does have enough talent to be a play-in team. but what what are they? Because I think that's what I'm confused on. If they trade De'Aaron Fox and let's just say like Buddy Heald, who's been who's been in trade rumors for almost four years now, it would suggest that maybe they're trying to go for another rebuild and build around Ben Simmons. But then it's like if you keep De'Aaron Fox and you keep Tyrese Halliburton 
and you keep Harrison Barnes, then that pretty much leaves Marvin Bagley and Buddy Heald, who have been in trade rumors. Like for Heald, he's been in trade rumors for four years, but Bagley's been in trade rumors for this entire season. So I think if you trade, it, I think it just depends on who they trade that will give you the idea of what this team is right now. Because I think if they trade to Aaron Fox, I mean, that's part of their core. That's part of the core of their team. So, I mean, I would think that they're going to rebuild again or try to rebuild again. And I think if they get rid of Marvin Bagley and they get Ben Simmons out of the deal and then they also get Tobias Harris, I mean, you pair that up with De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, I think this team does get a lot better and it kind of tells you maybe this team does want to make a playoff push. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just don't see that being enough for for Maury. I don't. I, I just don't. Um, anything else you guys want to say about Ben Simmons, or you want to move on to the next point? Man, Ben is just a. This Ben Simmons thing is just a weird situation. So I mean, I tend, me and Ryan tend to stay away from this in terms of the Hoop Talk podcast. I think mm-hmm. it's one of those things that, um, it's kind of a overstressed topic. It hasn't impacted the Sixers too much. You know, they're still you know top five in the East right now. And overall, until there's a trade package that they like, he's not moving. I think everybody's just going to have to learn to be content with that. I think it's. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. And I, he might just set out all year. Um, all right. So, so let's move on to some sad news. Um, I just wanted to briefly touch on this and get your thoughts on what it means um, for the Nets. And that is KD's injury. Um no severe structural damage. It looks like he'll be out four to six weeks, which, you know, that's a long time. But I think him personally going through what he went in Golden State, he's going to make sure he's he's healthy before he comes back. Do you see this affecting the team uh, in terms of where they stand in when it comes to the playoff race? Do you think it matters? Um, what are your guys' thoughts? Go ahead, Jay. You go first. Um, I mean... For me, I think the only reason why this could be a legitimate issue is if this stuff about James Harden being opening, being open to like being chopped around or being open to moving is like actually true or has any like real strong mm-hmm. validity behind it. Because if you're talking about a situation where Kyrie Irving is a part-time player, granted they're a little bit optimistic about that changing sometime this season, but you only know, you only hope, right? But then you talk about James Harden as your only other real asset in terms of being able to lead this team through a month or a month and a half worth of the season as you get closer to the playoffs too when things are going to ramp up because, you know, teams aiming for the play-in are going to start really getting competitive post-All-Star break. So with that being the case, I mean, if that if that has any validity to it, then this is huge, huge problem. I mean, them... Being as high as they are in the standings gives them some some comfortability, but I don't think it's comfortable enough for them to feel strong going into the playoffs. Even if he comes back healthy, they're going to be in a weird situation where he's going to be coming off injury trying to save their season to a certain extent. Um, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, you mentioned the Golden State situation, and I just think that when you see that, you just fear in general, right? I think that's why they take so long with these ACLs and MCLs and stuff like that, where, you know, it's almost a a guaranteed four weeks for an MCL nowadays, or they already pin it in as an ACL is a year, year and a half. We still haven't seen Jamal Murray. 
since you know for, for, for a while now for example so um it's a tricky thing i hate trying to play doctor i think the nets are good i think the nets are good and i think they're decent enough to get through the regular season over the course of a couple of weeks but again if that james harden thing has any real validity to it from a championship perspective this is one of those things that could be considered as a major setback ryan your thoughts yeah, I think when you look at the Nets team right now, I think this team this year is better constructed than the team last year. And I think with with their place in the Eastern Conference right now, I think they're second to this point in the season. I think it like like Jalen said, I think it gives them some comfortability of knowing that they're at the top of the standings when you when you lose uh your top star. But I think this is where with with Katie's injury, this is where we see what the nets are made of because i think now we have to look at other players to step up for this team are you going to get consistent production from lamarcus aldridge who basically came back to this team joe harris has been you know in and out of the lineup he's been injured uh for some time this season nick claxton he's got a lot of upside but i think he there's a chance that I think he could take a bigger step now and he's going to get more minutes because of KD's injury. So I, I'm looking for the player that could step up and take control here because Kyrie's a part-time player and a lot of the load's going to be put on James Harden. So I think it's going to be interesting to see who will step up. Yeah, I agree with both everything you guys said. I don't I don't really have any pushback with any of that. I, I think Honestly, this is why you have three stars on a team like this, right? Because, you know, with Kyrie missing the majority of the season because he won't get vaccinated, now Durant's hurt, and Harden is is an MVP. Um, and while his numbers have suffered this year in terms of points, he's still he's averaging 10 assists a game and eight rebounds, and um, he's still, you know, a sieve on defense. But it, I think that in terms of this team and it growing i think this is actually i i mean i don't want to say an injury is a good thing because i i love kevin durant i don't want to see him get hurt i want to see him do what he does uh watching him in the playoffs again last year was just you know it was so refreshing to see him back um i want to see this team at full strength i don't want to see injuries across the board but i think actually it can force like you said claxton or thomas to actually have to have a bigger role within the team and make them like let's see what let's see what you got hey rookie let's see how good you can be for this team uh, what else can you do can you can you are you more than just a jump shooter can you defend can you um can you get the to the to the to the basket let's see you know what i mean so i i think this is important for the team uh chemistry um outside of durant right any thoughts on that yeah i mean i agree i mean i think the biggest thing with them is that they've seen some guys develop quicker than maybe expected i mean you come into this team this year and you look at guys like cam thomas and dayron sharp who as rookies i mean for this kind of team specifically with cam thomas you talk about picking up patty mills in the offseason already having Kyrie, already having james that right there even with Kyrie being a part-time player and granted at time they didn't know that this was gonna right. be as big of a deal as, as it's become but just it, just with that setup alone you're thinking well how is cam gonna get on get on the court yeah like, okay he's just gonna go kill in the g league no he's having 20 point nights you know hitting game winners in regular season games and i think that's big because 
I don't think they're going to need their depth that much in the playoffs. I mean, I don't even think they're going to rely on it that much because most teams don't go past their top seven, maybe top eight come playoff time. The rotations definitely reduce significantly, but just getting that experience for some of these guys is huge. Like Nicholas Claxton, for example, right? I think that Milwaukee series was kind of tough because at the end of the day, when you're getting ragdolled by Giannis Antetokounmpo for, for you know, 48 minutes because the dude never comes off the court, it feels like sometimes, there's situations like that where you kind of need to see yourself progress over time. And for Claxton, his main job for this team is to be a rim defender. So what do you do? You let him learn how to get dunked on. You let him learn how to be a legitimate shot blocker next to guys like LeBron James where he's alley-oop dunking on, on people like that, you know what I mean? And boosting that confidence. Or Cam Thomas getting 20 points in games here and there. So I, I think they have the depth that that they can survive. And I think the interesting point you made is the idea of like, hey, this gives them the rest that we know a hooper like KD wouldn't take on his own. <laughs> it's like that idea of like, okay, you kind of have to take the ball away from him in order to make this whole thing work. And I think that's a good point too. I mean, at the end of the day, we said it last season when they faced Milwaukee. If they were healthy, I think that series would have went completely different. Some could argue that if Kevin Durant wore a half shoe size, like smaller, that series would have went differently. So the best case scenario for you is to go in healthy. And if it kind of means getting your, uh, your, uh, getting the jitters out the way early, then you do that. I yep. Think. My hooker crew. Right. I agree. Ryan, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I think one player that I didn't mention was Cam Thomas. And I think with what he's been able to provide this team from a scoring aspect, I would expect him to be one of those guys that takes a major step up. Because with Kyrie Irving, especially being a part-time player, that's where I would turn to guys like Patty Mills and Cam Thomas to step up in the scoring department. And they've proven they could do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cam Thomas has been just a, a big surprise um and not i i think everybody thought he's going to be a contributor at some point in his career i just didn't think they would think it would be this soon honestly um all right so the last thing we're gonna talk about here and um you know we don't have to go into a huge debate here let's just go around the horn uh, i want to know each of your mvps why you choose mvp and then uh um then we'll go to rookie of the year and then our biggest disappointments. So, uh, Jay, let's start off with you. Who is your midseason MVP? I got Jokic. I feel like uh, I've been talked off this uh, a few times by other people, but to a certain extent, there's just it's just hard to look at the stats and not feel that way, right? I mean, he has the greatest player efficiency rating of all time. It's insane. Of all insane. time as a central hub for the Denver Nuggets, and you throw on top of that, the injuries to Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray still being out, having Bones Highland as a guard arguably be one of their best backcourt guys as a rookie, um, as like one of their next best players. Yeah, I mean, Nikola Jokic is doing what he's doing. I think he's top 10 in uh, points, rebounds, and assists. And you throw on the player, play, throw on top the player efficiency rating, and it's like, dude, I mean, you can't, you can't make this up. If, even if you put him in 2K, you couldn't make it up. Uh, Ryan, who do you got for MVP midseason? I have to agree and go with Jokic. Um, I could not believe the fact that he is actually having a better season this year than his MVP season last year. Like Jalen said, the PER rating has been incredible, and he has the narrative to go with it because we know how much narrative has 
taken over the MVP award for the NBA. So he's definitely my MVP. I, uh, I don't necessarily disagree with you guys. Um, I, I, he, he has been outstanding and, and I, I feel like, you know, people kind of crapped on him as an MVP last year and, I don't, I don't get it personally. I mean, and he's been even better defensively this year. That's the thing that I think is far and away most shocking is he's actually become a, an above average defender. Before he was a kind of average, he was one of the best pick and roll defenders in the league. And I mean, obviously pick and roll is the primary offense people run, but in terms of like stepping it up, he has actually gotten better uh, defensively. And I'm trying to pull up uh, some advanced stats um uh, and I'm not there yet, but I'm pretty sure not only uh, he also he leads. I'm pretty sure in win. Um, um, sorry, in uh, defensive win shares. Yeah, he's close. Yeah. If he's not, he's close. Um, so it's still Rudy Gobert is still there, but he he's in the top ten. He's number six, and um, he's just behind Gobert for win shares as well. He's got uh, seven point one, and Rudy's at seven point two. I mean. I'm actually I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree a little bit because I just think that they haven't won enough with Jokic. Um, okay. I'm actually gonna say that I think Giannis has been the MVP. Um, that team hasn't won a lot either, but they've definitely. I mean, they're what 24 and 15 as opposed to you know the the Nuggets hovering right around 50 of uh, 500, whatever. Um, uh, I don't. I love. I, I, I let me put it this way. If it if it comes down to like right now, who is the the most valuable to their team? It has to be the Joker because he's keeping that team above water, like you guys said, without Porter Jr., without Jamal Murray, and he, I mean, if you look at some of the starting lineups that are being rolled out uh, when the league was being ravaged by COVID, I mean, they were starting. I had never even heard of some of these guys that they were starting, <laughs> and you know, I followed the league pretty close, right, and. They're not just winning games, but they're in almost every game. Now they've had some tough losses and some some bigger blowouts, but it's it's really remarkable. But I think the consistency of of Giannis on the defensive end has just surprised me. I I I thought that coming into this this year that he would maybe take a step back, kind of float, kind of do the LeBron right, where you just kind of float through the regular season. You're you know you have your offensive game still, but on the defensive end you're kind of just you're relaxing a little bit because you know you don't have to give 100. percent I mean this dude on defense, he Gobert's having an out of body experience once again, um, and you know he showed his importance to his team defensively when he was out with COVID. Um, they just went in the tank. You did. But, I mean, Giannis defensively has just, he's been amazing. And it's a two-horse race for defensive player of the year between those two, Gobert and, and, and Giannis. So I'm just going to be kind of a contrarian. Also, I think your dude, DeRozan, has to be in the conversation as well. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jay, who do you got for rookie of the year? Uh, I got Evan Mobley. I mean, it's getting closer. Josh Giddy's nice. I like him. Franz Wagner is a lot better than I think he showed in um, – preseason but Evan Mobley man the dude is different I mean he's getting comparisons from the ultimate Celtics fan and Bill Simmons to Kevin Garnett yeah that might be a little hyperbolic I've I've said that on a couple occasions here and there but I mean at the end of the day I mean the dude's the truth I mean we just gotta we just gotta be real about it he's he's just that good Ryan who you got rookie of the year um 
Yeah, I, I love Evan Mobley as a player, and he's been great. But I think I'm going to still stick with Scotty Barnes here because I just think with the amount of upside that he's had, he's been able to to show it. Now, in the month of January, he's he's definitely struggled, to say the least. He's averaging 10.3 points a game, 36% shooting from the field, uh, just over 21% from three, uh, just over 20% from three, actually. But I I'm just interested in how he can benefit this team in the long run of the season. Because I think Toronto overall has been a surprise, but this team could be even more of a surprise if they make it in the play-in tournament or even in the playoffs as a lock, even as like a 5-6 seed. Because with the way that guys like Fred Van Vliet are playing right now, and I think he's going to be an all-star, OG's been solid as well. Scotty Barnes is maybe one of the best offensive rebounders in the league on the on the teams on on the best offensive rebounding team in the league. So I think his impact on the offensive side of the ball has been pretty solid so far. He has struggled in this month of January, like I mentioned. But I think in the long run, he is going to be one of the main reasons why Toronto makes the play in tournament. I um I was way off on Scotty Barnes. I did not like him coming out. I was off him completely. He has definitely – he's definitely worthy to be in the conversation. I'm going with Mobley here too. I think Mobley, um, just because the Cavs have been so good and he has been so good, I think it's kind of one of those things. If you look at the numbers and the stats, I think him and Barnes and um, and Wagner and Cade are all kind of close. I don't. I think this is actually going to be a really interesting vote when it comes down to the end of the year. If everybody stays healthy, and like you said, uh, Ryan, it depends on you know who gets in the playoffs, where they go. I think that can affect some of the voters. Um, I I wasn't big on Barnes, and honestly, I wasn't big on Cade. I know that that's going to sound like blasphemy. Um, I I was big on the two Jalen's. I still think that Suggs and Green. I think this is a great class, by the way. Let me just say, I think this rookie class is phenomenal. Um, Duarte as well. I mean, got to mention him. He's had a good year. Um, I don't know if you guys, you guys are younger than me. Do you remember Sean Livingston before he yeah. blew out his leg? Yes. Yes. I think Cade, Cade, Cade plays like Sean Livingston prior to his knee injury. The way that he just kind of is kind of, you know, not super quick with that first step, but before you know it, he's at the basket and he's dunking on you. It just reminds me of Sean Livingston. Uh, his shot doesn't always go in. He can get hot. Uh, I think he's going to develop a mid-range jumper. I think you could. We can see maybe to the end of the year, Cade maybe pulling away with this a little bit. Um, in, unless things like you said, Barnes takes another another step in the right direction. Um, Mobley continues to be a beast. That could be an issue. Uh, halfway through the year, I'm going with Mobley, but I think that this, when it comes to the end of the year, I think it's going to be really close. All right. Jay, what is your biggest disappointment? Team, player, whatever, coach, whatever. What's your biggest disappointment for the year? Um, Man, that's a tricky one. I think one of the most disappointing things in the league right now has to be the fact that Zion Williamson is still not on the court, and we don't really even understand why at this point, right? First, there was the media fumble earlier on, uh, like, before the season, I think it was NBA media day, actually, which is where everything kind of broke, where it was like, yeah, he's not as far along as, you know, you would like. It was that idea of being promised that, you know, he would be there on opening day and then you get to opening day and then you get two weeks further and now we're here. You know what I mean? So I think one of the most disappointing things has to be 
the Pelicans. And they're going to be one of those tricky teams at the deadline because a lot of people or a lot of reports say that they're going to be buyers at the deadline. But I don't know what they're buying and what they're paying for it with. So, like, <laughs> I'm kind of confused on them as a team. And they're one of the most intriguing teams in the league because they have a guy like Zion in the waiting. It just, I mean, it's about him getting on the floor at this point. Yeah, free Zion, I, I agree. Ryan, what do you got? Most disappointing. So earlier I did tease the Lakers, but... Um, I'm going to stop on the Lakers hate right now because LeBron's been <laughs> Thank you. phenomenal for this team. And also you're a Lakers fan, so it's I'm, I'm not going to do that. But uh, instead, I'm actually going to go after one of Jalen's teams. <laughs> and oh, no. I'm going to say, I know, I know. Oh, the Hawks. Yeah, the Hawks. It's <laughs> like, I, I mean, first of all, you guys let me have it last year when I chose the Knicks over the Hawks in the first round. And you guys also let me have it when the Hawks ended up defeating the Philadelphia 76ers, who I also picked in that series. So I, I just don't think that this team has been the same this year. And, you know, the offense has been bad. The defense has been abysmal this year. And you just traded away Cam Reddish for Kevin Knox in a deal that I would think a lot. And from what I heard, a lot of fans are angry at this deal because they feel like they've been finessed essentially and you know the, the, this team is it's just interesting because this team came out of nowhere as an unexpected surprise last year with how good their young trio was of Trey Young, John Collins and Kevin Herter this year it's been almost the exact opposite and Jalen and I have had conversations off the pod about the plus minus of when Trey Young leaves the floor to go to the bench and it's it's shocking the the differential between those two so i'm just shocked at at the hawks right now at the hawks right now for being as disappointing as they are yeah you stole mine ryan i was gonna say the hawks um and i i agree with with that assessment too I, i don't know what's going on i think that that team is way too good to be this bad um my surprise. So I'm gonna. I had a backup because I, I thought that maybe one of you would choose the Hawks. Um, I'm gonna go with Luka Doncic. I have never seen a player with this much ability and skill. Um, just at the age of what is he? Twenty one? Is he twenty one? Twenty two? He's twenty two. Twenty two. Just not care. I mean, it truly seems like he. I, I, you mentioned Bill Simmons earlier. Bill Simmons always jokes about him eat, drinking sweet tea and smoking cigarettes. I don't know what this guy is doing. <laughs> it's like he's he's got Twinkies and uh, pound cake just in his locker when he goes into halftime. He he just doesn't look like the same player even uh, even last year or the previous year. I, I I get it. I know he played a lot of basketball um, over the last eighteen months, but. The, he should not be playing this bad. I, I mean, if you look at his box scores, like last night, uh, I think he was like 6 for 18, 0 for 7 from the 3. Somehow they won that game, but he has just been he has just been mediocre, I'd say the best. He There's no reason that he shouldn't be in the MVP conversation. This was his year to win the MVP. Everything was set up. And, you know, kid, I, I'm, a, I, I'm not a kid fan as a coach. I, I don't know what is going on there. Um... You know, Doncic got Haralabob fired from the organization and, you know, kind of handpicked his coach and they brought in Dirk to kind of mentor him. I don't think any of that's working. 
I, I don't I, I don't know what you guys feel, but Doncic has been a absolute, in my opinion, disappointment this year. That's a tough one. I mean, their defense has improved, so I guess you got to give that something. But I guess we all know that's not because of Luka. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> he struggled from three, and that's kind of been always the thing with Luka is that he hasn't been a great three-point shooter. And that's why, you know, Skip Bayless on Undisputed always jokes about, like, people comparing him to, like, Baby Bird or calling him uh, Larry Bird-esque. And it's like, well, I mean, then you must have never saw Larry shoot because that's the one aspect of this that I think doesn't line up. And, um, I mean, if Luca's not hitting a step back, he's kind of, you know, not that dangerous from beyond the arc. So, I mean, it's hard to disagree with you. I think the other weird part about it, too, is just that it, it's similar with the Hawks, and this is why I didn't say that they were a big disappointment. I Part of me just thinks maybe the expectations were set too high based on the bar that's been set in previous seasons. Like, you talk about the Hawks yeah. coming off of the Eastern Conference uh, Finals, right? But, like, do we really think that the method in which they built their team really was a catalyst to them becoming, you know, Eastern Conference Finals level? Or was it being able to beat down on the Knicks, who are not a good matchup for them, and then being able to take on a Philadelphia 76ers team that essentially kind of choked it? You know what I mean? So I, I and I love the Hawks. I talked all my crap <laughs> after that Philadelphia series was over. But realistically speaking, I think that that might have set a bar or pushed the timetable further ahead than I think they actually needed to be aiming for. So I think the Hawks is a tricky one. When it comes to Luka, like I said, I mean, yeah, coming off of two seasons where you've, you know, you win Rookie of the Year, then you're like in MVP level conversation. And then you talk about, like, coming into this year being the favorite to win MVP and not even being in the discussion. That definitely hurts. But, I mean, again, that's one high bar. That's one high bar in only, what, year four? Yeah. Right? Yeah, year four. Right. Yep. Uh, Ryan, any Luca thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm more just, just shocked at Dallas overall because, like, Dallas was one of the worst defensive teams in the in the league to begin the season they definitely improved recently to become one of the best defensive teams but they sit fifth in the western conference which is where they've been which is where they were last year and i think a lot of people uh expected them to take that step myself included uh to take that step into being one of the three best teams in the western conference um but i think I think only time will tell because I am giving this team um, a lot of hype because I do believe in the Dallas Mavericks as a as a as a team currently constructed because I think that this team has that capability to make some noise in the playoffs this year. But the Luka take is interesting because of the fact that he was in the MVP conversation. He is averaging close to 25 points a game, so uh, he is getting his his scoring. Uh, he is still doing this, his scoring and. Uh, you know, the rebounds and the assist level and the assist numbers, should I say, are there. Like, he is averaging close to a triple-double if you think about it. So, yeah, like, the production aspect has, has not been as good as we hoped it would be. But it's getting Dallas victories. I mean, that I, fair point. He's averaging, you, you, you said about 25, but that's down. He averaged 28.8 in, in 1920 and 27.7 in 2021. And maybe, you know, we shouldn't expect him to be that kind of scorer, but 
the thing that I thought was interesting, if you look at the advanced metrics, his PR is way lower. His um, his win shares on offense are the lowest. They're 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 almost uh, it's zero oh, point three is his win shares on offense, which in the past six point five five point one defensive win shares again the lowest of his career. He only has a, a two win share. Um, it, that kind of that just is shocking to me. Like. Um, you would expect it to be up a little bit um, just because they have played better team defense, and so you feel like that would transfer to him some, but it's it's just it's not there. Um, guys, it's been great talking to you. We're at like an hour and 20. We got to get this show wrapped up. Please tell me where we can find you all over the internet, your podcast, where it's hosted, where can we find you on the social webs, and uh, anything else you want to plug. This is usually Ryan's cue. This is his thing right here. Let's go, Ryan. Hear it. Let's hear it. Fire it up. All right. So, you know, you can find us at the Hoop Talk Pod on Instagram, at the Hoop Talk Pod on TikTok. We're trying to post a lot more content on both of those sites as well. Um, definitely would love if you guys. Oh, no. We lost Ryan. Mid plug. He's oh, gone. Man. Uh, well, let's just let, let me just make sure I clear this up. Yeah, definitely subscribe to the Hoop Talk podcast with Jalen and Ryan. Let's go. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio. If you listen to podcasts, you probably can find it. We're pretty much in. So, yeah, definitely enjoy this time here on the Two Guys One Hoop podcast. Three guys today. Yeah. Three guys today. Even though Ryan just jumped out of the, the window. Uh, <laughs> I think that's going to do it for this episode. Check out uh, the Hoop Talk podcast. Love having you guys on. Uh, Don't forget to um, subscribe to them, and uh, we will catch you on the flip side. Peace.